You are listening to Kathy L. McKenzie on Block Talk Radio. this morning is a kingdom woman is a lady in waiting and I forgot to bring my uh, iPad because I wanted to to share words from this song this morning and the subject a kingdom woman how many how many wives thank God for your kingdom man of God amen let me see your hands you're thanking God for your kingdom man come on put our hands together for our kingdom men of God Amen. How many single ladies thank God by faith for your kingdom man? Now, don't you think that the kingdom men want a kingdom woman of God? Amen. Just like we say we thank God for our kingdom men, then they want to see a kingdom woman of God. Amen. They want to see a woman of God who's sold out for Jesus Christ, who's not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, who loves God with all her heart, mind, soul, and strength. Amen. Who walks one with him. Amen. Who's standing on the word of God, who's walking by faith, who's teaching our children the word of God, who's not afraid to praise God, who's not afraid to worship God. The kingdom men want to see that they have a kingdom woman of God. Amen. Amen. And it's one thing for me to say that I'm a kingdom woman of God, but it's another thing for me to demonstrate that I am a kingdom woman of God. Amen. On the cover of uh, Tony Evans' book, or not so much his book, but the uh, CD cover, the uh, cover of the uh, material that came in, I saw on the cover that it said, "Every man's, uh, that a kingdom man is every man's destiny and every woman's dream. And I say for my cover this morning that a kingdom woman is every woman's destiny and every kingdom man's dream. Amen? Amen. Because we want to be women of God who sold out for the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? It is every woman's destiny to be a kingdom woman of God. And it is in your DNA, your spiritual DNA. Amen? Because you belong to the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you love God and you're seeking out to God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, then God wants you and I as women of God to be kingdom women of God. Amen? Kingdom women for the Lord Jesus Christ. I don't know if you've ever heard this song by uh, T.D. Jakes. It's on his sacred love song CD, and it's called You Are My Ministry. Anybody? So I got some amens in the house. Amen? And this song is so beautiful. Amen? When I heard that song, I kept hitting repeat, repeat, repeat. So powerful. I, have to, I don't know if Dr. McKenzie heard it, but I have to let him hear it. But it is so nice. It really ministers. And, and as I'm listening to that song, I say, Lord, make me out of that kingdom woman of God that I see that my kingdom man of God is my ministry, amen? And when he's my ministry, that means that I minister unto him, amen? That God gives me his heart and his mind to minister unto him, to know him, amen? I heard the man of God say one time, how can I minister to him if I don't know him? And he would just saying that in general. And I began to think about that. I said, Lord, help me to know my man of God. Because, ladies, how many know that you have to know your man of God in order to minister to your man of God? Amen? You can't allow the world, the society to minister to him when God has given him to you that you may minister unto him. Amen? Nobody should know your kingdom man of God better than you. Amen? Nobody should know what he likes more than you. Nobody should know what he needs more than you. So that means you got to study your man of God. Just like we study other things, we got to study our man of God. And we got to get to know our man of God and say, I know what he like. I, I know what he don't like. Amen. I know what he needs. Amen. And I can give it to him. Amen. At the moment that he needed. Amen. At the right time, at the right hour, at the right moment. Hallelujah. So this song says, you are my ministry. Amen. Now, if your kingdom man of God is here this morning, you can say, you are my ministry. Amen? Amen. We know this is service, right? Amen? So we're still in the house. We're still in the house. Amen? It says, you are my ministry. This is the chorus. You are my ministry. You are my help me. Now, this is saying, this is the woman ministering unto him. Now, we know the word of God says that I'm the help me. Amen? So it says, you are my help me. When I think about loving you, I think about loving myself. 
You are my do me right, my spiritual song in the night, a special part of me, my ministry. Amen. That means that this is my ministry. This is my domain, and I'm going to make sure I'm doing everything I can to take care of my domain. Amen. How many know that when you get when you buy a house, you want to make sure you take care of the house. You want the lawn looking good. Amen. You want the grass looking good. Amen. You want the water to come on and sprinkle sometimes. Amen. To make it look good. Amen. You may paint it. Amen. From time to time because you want it to look good. When you walk in your house, you want it to smell good. Amen. You want it to look nice. Amen. So when you see your kingdom, man of God, women of God, you want him to look good. Amen. You want him to smell good. Amen. You want him to be good. Amen. Why? Because that's my ministry. It says, longing to lay my hands on you. Lift you up high when you're feeling blue. Anointed to speak the word over you when you don't know just what to do. I will be there when things grow cold. My kind of love will heal your soul. I'm at the end of a long, hard day. I'm waiting to stroke all your stress away. <laughs> woo, woo, woo. Woo, woo, woo. Woo, woo, woo. <laughs> And here's the last verse. Here's the last verse. It says, baby, come in and shut the door. Drop all your stuff in the middle of the floor. I'm just, now, this is a Christian song, amen, but it's a love song ministering to your man of God, amen. I'm just staring at the clock all day, waiting to soothe all your pain away. I am your wife, the woman he sent. Whatever it takes, I'm your instrument. Give everything that you feel inside. Let it all out. There's no need to hide. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> Woo! Is it one o'clock? Is it one o'clock so we can leave? <laughs> Woo! See, that's my ministry. Amen. Amen. And when that's my ministry, then you get serious about your ministry. Amen. You want to take care of your ministry. Amen. My husband never have to worry about, babe, I got a headache tonight. Amen. Because that's my ministry. Amen. Because I want to make sure that I'm always ready to minister. Amen. If that's my ministry, right? Because if I don't take care of my ministry, somebody else else is waiting to take care of my ministry. Amen. And nobody's getting my ministry. Amen. 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 High five. <laughs> Amen. So a kingdom woman of God is a lady in waiting. And she's a woman that ministers to her man of God. Amen. What is a kingdom woman of God? A kingdom woman of God is a woman who fears God more than she fears man. Amen. She understands that her relationship with God is the greatest relationship that she can have because out of that relationship with God will come all other relationships, amen? And God will teach her how to walk in the fear of the Lord God and reverence him and therefore be able to minister unto a kingdom man of God. Now turn, if you will, this is based on Proverbs 31 and 30. We have a few scriptures we want to turn to this morning. Proverbs 31 and 30, Amplified Version says, Charm and grace are deceptive. And beauty is vain because it is not lasting. But a woman or a kingdom woman who reverently and worshipfully fears the Lord, she's the one that shall be praised. Amen? Not because you're beautiful on the outside, but because you're beautiful on the inside. Amen? There is something that is coming forth from the inside, and that's called the fear of God, the worship of God, the reverential holy fear of God. Because I fear God, then God shows me how to minister and how to walk in the love of God and minister unto my man of God. The New Century translation says, charm can fool you and beauty can trick you, but a woman who respects the Lord... She shall be praised. The Message Bible says charm can mislead you, and beauty soon fades away. The woman to be admired and praised is the woman who lives in the fear of the Lord. So women of God, ladies, wives, mothers, you want to be praised, then it's your fear of the Lord that's going to cause you to be praised. It's the hidden man of the heart, and that's what God is looking for. And when God sees the hidden man of the heart, then God says, she deserves praise. She fears me. She loves me more than any earthly, uh, earthly relationship. She loves me. 
She's looking unto me. She, she knows that she can do nothing apart from me. She acknowledges me in all her ways. And therefore, I'm leading her. I'm guiding her. She's not making any mistake because she's looking unto me. And whatever mistake she is making, she repents. She gets back up. She doesn't allow herself to be condemned by the enemy. The Spirit of God convicts her. She repents. She gets back up and says, God, help me to get it right the next time. Because I walk in the fear of the Lord. Yes, I missed it yesterday. Yes, I missed it this morning. But thank you, Lord, for your grace and your mercy. Thank you for showing me, Lord, that I missed it. Thank you, Lord, for giving me another opportunity. And then God gives us another opportunity to get it right the next time. Amen? Because we're walking in the fear of the Lord. I remember one time when my husband and I first got married, and my husband said, you want to be able to minister to me? Then you need to have a relationship with God. Because my husband would come to me and share things with me from time to time and talk to me, and all I could do was say, "Uh uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh, I, have, I couldn't say anything else. Why? Because nothing was in there. There was no word on the inside. I did not have a uh, relationship with God. So I couldn't, you know, dialogue back with him. I couldn't talk back with him. And he said, when he said that to me, I said, God, help me to have a relationship with you. Because I don't want my husband going outside talking to somebody else when he could be talking to me. I don't want him to always got to look for somebody else. Who can I dialogue with? Who can I commune with concerning what God is speaking to me? I want it to be the one that he'd be able to talk to and dialogue with. Now, don't get me wrong. I know he has friends. I'm not talking about that. But I'm talking about the balance at home where he and I talk about the goodness of the Lord. Amen. And we talk about what God is doing and how God is ministering to him and God is ministering to me. And we share with one another and we bounce off one another. Sometimes we do that now. Sometimes we can't holler wait till the other person is, is finished speaking because we're ready to to say something because God has been speaking to both of us but that ministers to him and I said God now see this is going back to him being my ministry if I know that that's what he likes and that's what ministers to him then I got to become that so I had to get into my word I had to begin to apply myself and, and study the word of God and I remember the first time my husband told me to go and study the word of God he said I'll take care of the dishes I'll take care of the baby. Ebony was a baby at that time. We didn't have ecstasy. Or Imani, he said, uh, I'll take care of the baby. I'll take care of the dishes. You go in there and you study. And then one time he said, now you come back and tell me what God said. I'm thinking, oh, my goodness. I feel like this is my daddy. <laughs> I just left my daddy. <laughs> and, um, and, but guess what? It helped me. I probably, you know, said that in my flesh at that time, but it helped me to get to know God for myself. Because guess what? When the enemy comes in, don't you know I need to be able to be sensitive to the voice of God and say, you know what, baby? I hear the Lord saying X, Y, Z. If I can't, uh, if I'm not studying and applying myself, then how can I help him? Then the enemy will, you know how they say, kill two birds with one stone? Because why? I'm not doing my part. Amen. I am his what? Help me. So I have a part to do. Amen. I have a part to, to apply. I need to apply myself to the word of God. Turn, if you would, to Deuteronomy, to Tim, chapter and verse 12. We're talking about the fear of the Lord. A kingdom woman of God is one that fears God more than she fears man. Deuteronomy 10 and verse 12 says, And now, Israel, what does the Lord your God require of you? But to fear the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways, to love him. To serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. And this is what God is requiring of you and I, ladies, that we fear him more than we fear man. Amen? That we love him with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength. Ecclesiastes, the 12th verse. I'm sorry, the 12th chapter and verse 13. Ecclesiastes 12. And verse 13, and I'm going to go ahead and read that from the Message Bible. And it says, all have, all have been heard. The end of the matter is fear God. This is the end of the matter, ladies. Fear God. Revere and worship him, knowing that he is. And keep his commandments. For this is the whole of man, the full original purpose of his creation, the object of God's providence, the root of character, the foundation of all happiness. The adjustment to all inharmonious circumstances and conditions under the sun. The whole duty of every man. This is the root of your happiness. Your husband can fulfill your happiness. A man can bring you happiness. And all little girls think when we get married one day that that's going to be the end. That's going to be my happiness. I'll be blissfully and, you know, walking around, you know, in this beautiful house, white picket fence. 
and then I'll be happy. Not so. Man cannot bring you the happiness that you're seeking for. Amen. Isn't it amazing that God put the void on the inside of your heart, but God put it there for him. Not for man. God put it there for him, for you and I to pant after him, to run after him, to go after him. And wives, we have a responsibility. Mothers, we have a responsibility to help our daughters, to help them to understand. You're looking for love in the wrong place. The love you need is in God. A relationship with God. Knowing God for yourself. Loving him with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. That's the joy you're looking for. This scripture says the root of all happiness is in you and I walking in the fear of God. That's the root of your happiness. And so, therefore, you have to train yourself to be godly. Turn to 1 Timothy 4 and 7. As a woman of God, a kingdom woman of God, you have to train yourself to be godly. Because your flesh don't want to do anything spiritual. Your flesh don't want to fast. Your flesh don't want to pray. Your flesh don't want to come to church. Your flesh don't want to read the word. Your flesh don't want to do anything spiritual. And so it's a battle. So that's why you and I, we have to train ourselves to be godly. First Timothy 4 and 7, the message Bible says, exercise daily. Somebody say, exercise daily. Exercise daily in God. Listen to this. No spiritual flabbiness. Please. Workouts in the gymnasium are useful, but a disciplined life in God is far more so, making you fit both today and forever. See, we can go to the gym, because we go to the gym, right? And we work out, right? We can go to the gym, and he's saying, working out in the gym, that's good. That's fine. That has its place. But you need to learn how to work out in God every day. How do I work out in God every day? Do I spend quality time with God every day, ladies? Do I spend quality time in prayer? Do I spend quality time in reading the Word? Do I spend quality time in getting to know God for myself? What am I doing for God? To build myself up spiritually. I'm doing everything else to build myself up physically, but what about spiritually? We spend money doing this, going, going different places, but am I spending money to build myself up spiritually? Am I training myself to be fit for the kingdom of God? Because when that day comes when I need to stand with my man of God in prayer, in warfare, in battle, will I be ready? Because why? I've been building myself up. And just like it takes time for the muscles to begin to show. Amen. Ecstasy and I, you know, we kind of work on our arms when we go to the gym. And so the other day, Ecstasy said, look, Daddy, feel my muscle. And I said, ooh, let me see if I have one. Because <laughs> I've been working out too. <laughs> so if I can do that for me, to benefit me, what am I doing to benefit the kingdom of God? And you know what? I make sure I go to the gym. There are times when I'm tired, I'll still go to the gym because I'm thinking this might be the day I might meet that disciple that I want for God. I'm always going because I'm always thinking about a disciple for the kingdom of God. So I go, and that's my purpose. And some days I'm so tired, but I'll still go because why? I want to win a soul for the kingdom of God, and I want to talk to somebody about a discipleship, a relationship. So it's all about God. But if I'm doing that for me, how am I benefiting the kingdom of God? How do I benefit the kingdom of God in helping my man of God to be the man of God that God has called him to be? I am the help me, not him. Amen? I am the one that God has called to be adaptable, adjustable, conformable, and flexible. And women, we know we're flexible. We can juggle so many things at one time. We are so flexible. Amen? God made us that way. And if we're flexible for us, can we be flexible for the kingdom of God? In helping our man of God. Amen. So a kingdom woman of God has become through God's process a lady in waiting. And the emphasis of the book, A Lady in Waiting, is not a woman's status, whether she's married, single, widowed, or divorced, but it deals with the condition of her heart. And when I first saw that book, A Lady in Waiting, I thought it was, you know, just for single women. I'm married. I don't need that book. Not so. That book is excellent, but it talks about the condition of a woman's heart. And it ministers to the woman, you know, the condition of the heart. Do I have a heart that is, that is thorny? Do I have a heart that is stony? Do I have a heart, good ground heart and a wayside heart? What's the condition of my heart? 
So that book is so excellent. And I want to become a lady in waiting even while I'm married. I can be a lady in waiting because why? This is talking about my relationship with God. Amen. It's not talking about me being married. It's not talking about me being widowed or divorced. It's talking about me having a relationship with God, about me loving God with all my heart, mind, soul, and strength. So that's the kingdom woman of God. She understands that she's a lady in waiting. Amen. A lady in waiting is in love with her Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, as demonstrated in the life of Ruth. She demonstrates these characteristics. And these are the characteristics that Ruth demonstrated that you will find in the book, Lady in Waiting. She recklessly abandons herself to her lordship of Jesus Christ. She knows if God is not Lord of all, he's not Lord at all. She diligently uses her single days wisely. Amen. She trusts God with unwavering faith. She displays virtue in her everyday life. She loves God with undistracted devotion. Nothing distracts her from her relationship with God. Amen. She stands for physical and emotional purity. She lives in security by responding to life with contentment. She is content in her status until God transitions her. She's content being single. Why? Because she knows there's some a day, there will be a day that God is going to transition her. Amen? It may not be today. It may not be tomorrow, but that's in my future with God. Amen? And I'm not worried when he's going to bring it, when he's going to bring my Boaz. I know he's coming, but I'm not worried about it. That's what the single woman of God says. Amen? Because she's a lady in waiting. And when she's anxious, it means that she's not a lady in waiting. She feels like she got to do it today or else she's going to die. I got to do it today or something's going to happen. Nothing is going to happen when you become a lady in waiting because you're trusting the great I am. Amen? You're trusting God. Your eyes are on God, not people. And that's how we miss it. When we put our eyes on people, I remember when we was, uh, when we was attending Dr. Brown's church years ago, and I remember uh, so many people was getting married, and I remember saying one day, boy, by the end of this year, I'm going to be married. You know, when you're single, you think you've been single for a long time, and everybody's married except you. I don't know why we think that, but that's the trick of the enemy, right? We think we're single for so long. Amen. And so I said that. I said, wow, by the end of this year, I'm going to be married. You can count on it. Well, guess what? By the end of the year, guess what? Was I married? No. Why? Because I said it, not God. Amen? God didn't say that. I said that. So my focus was on the, in the wrong place. And I was looking at people. Amen? And I wasn't looking at God. And not only that, I wasn't building my relationship with God. I was so focused on this person getting married. When am I, when's going to be my day? You know, when, what's going to happen to me? Soon I'm going to be 30, the big 3-0, and still not married. And it's a trick of the enemy. Because Satan does not want you to have a relationship with God. So he bombards your mind with all these things, all these thoughts. And then you start looking at people. And then you start making these statements that God didn't tell you. So it's not a statement of faith. Because you can only have faith in the word that God speaks. And God didn't speak that word. I spoke that word. Amen. I was trying to bring it to pass myself without God. <laughs> Here I am. Choose me. I'm single. I'm ready. I might as well have a sign on my head, you know. Um, and so I was, I was looking at people and keeping my eyes on people instead of looking at God. But then, lo and behold, there come a day when God did speak, amen, and God spoke. And guess what? When God spoke, it was a word from God. And so I was able to have a word from God, amen. And so you believe and you focus on the word from God. You stand on the word from God, not from people, amen. A lady in waiting also makes choices based on her values and her convictions. She waits patiently for God to manifest the answers to her prayers. Singles, you need to learn how to focus on loving God until God transitions you. Amen? Turn, if you were to Isaiah 54 and verse 5. So this is a, this is a message that ministers to all the ladies. Amen? Wives, mothers, and, and also to the singles as well. It's a mixture in, in, in the whole message. Isaiah 54 and verse 5. Isaiah 54 and verse 5 says, for your maker is your husband. Singles, do you hear that? Your maker is your husband. And this is also to us married. It says, your maker is your husband. The Lord of hosts is his name. 
And your Redeemer is the Holy One of Israel. He is called the God of the whole earth. So what is this saying? Well, let me, let me go to another verse, and then we're going to elaborate. Go to Isaiah 62 and verse 5. You say, what is this saying to me? Isaiah 62 and verse 5, it says, For as a young man marries a virgin, so shall your sons marry you. And as the bridegroom, listen to this, and as the bridegroom or the husband rejoices over the bride, so shall your God rejoice over you. What is a husband? A husband is just a male partner. Amen. So singles, what does this stand to you? That until God bring your Boaz, your man of God, let God be your partner. Let God be the one that you go to and make decisions. Amen. You, you give your decisions to him. You give your heart to him. You give your ideas to him. You give yourself to him. And let God help you in your relationships. Amen. Just like a wife. We do nothing without our husbands, right? We don't make decisions. We go to our husbands. We commune together. We fellowship together. We talk things out. And then we make decisions together. And then the wife go out and do based upon the decisions that her and her husband have made, right? That's the same way with you singles. Until God bring your Boaz and your man of God, then you go to God in prayer. Amen? Just like a wife would go to her husband. You go to God and let God lead you. Let God guide you. Let God direct you. In other words, you don't make not one move upon from God because why God is my partner because that's exactly what a husband is a male partner he's my spouse right so let God be your male partner until God brings your Boaz and your man of God to you Gary Chapman anybody ever heard of Gary Chapman he's the author of many books but especially his last book uh, the uh, the five love languages he stated, happy indeed are those people, married or single, who have discovered that happiness is not found in marriage, but in a right relationship with God. Happiness is not found in marriage, but in a right relationship with God. And singles, you have such a great advantage now because now you can get your relationship with God and grow in your intimacy with God. That when God brings your spouse to you, you'll be able to help and compliment one another without the man having to carry all the weight because the wife don't have a relationship with God. Or vice versa, the wife have to carry the weight because the man is not a kingdom man of God. Fulfillment for every Christian woman begins with the lordship of Christ in every area of her life. In other words, Christ is Lord over my finances. Christ is Lord of my relationships. Christ is Lord of my job. Christ is Lord concerning every decision that I have to make. Christ is Lord. Because remember, he's your husband. Amen? A college professor, wife, she was a wife, she was a mother of seven children. She was a singer and an author. She told a group of young women that when she was eight years old, her mother told her a secret that has guided her perspective on life to this day. The most important thing, now this is what her mother told her, the most important thing that her mother would ever tell her was this. No one daughter, not even a man you marry one day, can make you happy. Only Jesus can. Amen? Yes. Amen? Only Jesus can. And we need to discover that. And so this is something that I, you know, I want to help instill in my daughters, Ebony, Exercise, Money, to make sure they understand this. And they see Daddy and Mommy being affectionate with one another. Amen? They see us loving on one another. They see us, they see us sometimes when we have disagreements. But we try to be so mindful of that to set a great example before them. That if we do miss it before them, then we go back onto them and say, you know what, Daddy and Mommy missed it. Would you forgive us? And what is that doing? That is setting them up that one day, if that ever happened to them, they'll have a perfect example before them and their parents to make sure they get it right before their kids. Because we have a responsibility to raise this generation to love God with all their heart, mind, soul, and strength. Can you see what is happening in this generation today, what's going on in society? Kids are going to school with weapons. You know, with guns, with knives, and, and killing one another, and stealing from one another, and, and tearing down one another instead of building one another up. But if we, as a, as a generation, our generation, if we are doing our part and loving God, then we can help them love God with all their heart, mind, soul, and strength. And when they get in school, they won't be ashamed of God. 
They will be having discipleship classes in school. Why? Because God is in them and God is discipling them. Amen? And they won't be afraid. They won't be ashamed of our God. Amen? Here is what you and I must do. We must learn how to break our alabaster box before God. Turn, if you will, to Matthew 26. We must learn how to break our alabaster box before God. And I know you read the story before concerning the woman with the alabaster box. Matthew 26. But this is something we must learn how to do. And breaking your alabaster box entails you breaking your alabaster box every day in the presence of God. Amen? Every day I'm giving God my best. It's not just now. The Bible just talks about this woman that broke her alabaster box. But do you know that men can break the alabaster box before God as well? Amen? It's not just women, but the Bible just talks about this woman. She's an unnamed woman. The Bible doesn't even give her a name. You have Matthew 26, and we're going to read verse 6 through 13. The Message Bible. It says, when Jesus was at Bethany, a guest of Simeon, the leper, a woman came up to him as he was eating dinner and anointed him with a bottle of very expensive perfume. When the disciples saw what was happening, they were furious. That's a criminal. This could have been sold for a lot and the money handed out to the poor. Verse 10, when Jesus realized what was going on, he intervened. Why are you giving this woman a hard time? She has just done something wonderfully significant for me. You will have the poor with you every day for the rest of your lives, but not me. When she poured this perfume on my body, what she really did was anoint me for my burial. You can be sure that whatever, wherever in the whole world the message is preached, what she has done is going to be remembered and admired. Now, here was an unnamed woman that broke her alabaster box before God. She took her expensive oil, all that she had, and she poured it out before our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Now, even though she was a sinner, but don't you think this unnamed woman had dreams? Don't you think she had desires? Don't you think that she had something that she wanted to be fulfilled in her own life? And here was an opportunity for her to give her best, for her to give her all in all to the master. And so she didn't allow this moment to pass her by. So ladies, don't allow. When the master is near, don't let the moment pass you by. There's an opportunity. Don't let the moment pass you by. Don't forget about who's all around you. Forget about what people have said. Don't let the moment pass you by. When the master is near, come near and bring your best to the master. So singles, you can bring your best to the master right now. Wives, we can bring our best, our best to the master right now. Mothers, we can bring our best to our master right now. And we don't have to wait for the moment. We can do it anytime, any moment, any hour, any second. Giving God our best. And she felt, now what she did was such a high honor for Jesus. She gave him her best. And this was considered something that people around didn't understand. And sometimes people around you may not understand. Or they may say, it, it, it don't take all of that. And you should say, oh, yes, it does. It take all of that and then some. Because I got to make sure I'm right with my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So, yes, it does take all of that. I, I'm sacrificing me to get what, you know, my future holds for me. And only my Savior knows what my future holds. Amen. So she wasn't afraid. So are you afraid to give your best to the Savior? Are you afraid to give your all to the Savior? Can you pour out your best before him no matter who's around? And they may call you names, but you don't care. You may call me a name. I don't care. I'm giving my best to the Savior. So singles, wives, mothers, we have a great opportunity. Amen? Every day we can give our best to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And notice Jesus said at the end of this verse, it says, this is going to be remembered and admired. They may talk about you today, but guess what? They're going to be remembering what you did years from now, days from now, months from now. They're going to be remembering that, and they're going to admire that. Say, you know what? I wish I had did that. That took good. That took courage. I wish I, wish I had did that. Turn, if you will, to Genesis 2. And while you're turning there, I'm going to continue to read. It says, this unnamed woman wisely broke her alabaster box in the presence of the only one that could make a woman's dreams come true. This unnamed woman represents every lady that is here present today. Amen. She paved the way for every one of us to break our alabaster box. 
filled with hopes and dreams and breaking in the presence of our heavenly bridegroom who is worthy of such honor. Amen. Don't you know, ladies, that God is worthy of your honor today? God is worthy of all the praise, all the glory. He's worthy of whatever you're going to give him today. You're going to bring him your best. Why? Because he's worthy of it. And it will be reflected in reckless abandonment. How do you know that you've broken your alabaster box? When do you break your alabaster box? You can break it now. You can break it this moment. You can break it today. You can break it tonight. It's a matter of you giving your best, giving your all, not ashamed. It doesn't matter who's around. I'm not distracted by the crowd. I'm not afraid of the crowd, of the faces. I'm not afraid if they call me a dog. I'm not afraid if they say you're crazy. I'm not afraid if they say you're a freak. I'm not afraid because I'm willing to give my best to my God, to my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You know what? Because why? He has my future, not you. <laughs> you can't bring my future. There's nothing you can say and do that would bring and encourage my future. Only God can. Genesis 2 and verse 18 through 20, Amplified Version, it says, Now the Lord God said, It is not good, sufficient, satisfactory, that the man should be alone. Isn't it amazing? God is the one that said, man, it's not good that you be alone. God is the one that made that decision, not you. Amen? God is the one that says, it's not good for you to be alone, man. So he says, I will make a helper. Now, this word helper means, this is us, ladies. This word helper means suitable, one that is suitable, adaptable, complementary for him. So, ladies, we are suitable. God has made me suitable for my husband. He's made me adaptable for my husband, and he's made me to compliment my husband. Amen? That's why he's, because he's my ministry, I need to study him. Because whatever adjustments that need to be made, God has made me suitable and adaptable and complimentary. It can be done. I shouldn't complain and say, I can't be like that. You expect a superwoman. That's not me. <laughs> no. God says he's made me suitable, adaptable, and complimentary. Amen? I know how, through the Spirit of God, to adapt to his needs. Amen? Did you get that? You know how to adapt to his needs. Yes, through the Spirit of God. And it's only through, and see, that's going back to your relationship with God. Because in your relationship with God, God is one that helps you and I to become adaptable, suitable, complementary to him. Amen? So we can minister unto him. Amen? That word suitable means to be able and qualified, to be adapted, to be complementary. I remember when I first married my husband, I knew some things about him. Because we were friends for a long time before we got married. So I knew some things about him. And one of the things I knew about my husband is that he liked things uh, when it comes to cooking. You know, he likes it homemade. Well, I come from a home. A lot of things was not homemade. <laughs> so I had to learn how to make things homemade. And boy, to me, his, his mom is short in stature. But to me, she left a tall order. Because my husband's used to all those nice and sweet tasting cakes uh, and that banana pudding. And I mean, when we go home, uh, the girls, Grandma, you made a cake? <laughs> Grandma, you made some banana pudding? <laughs> and sometimes she'll say, you know, you should have called me, babe. I would have made one just for you. <laughs> and I remember one day I asked her, I said, okay, my husband likes banana pudding. Okay, so let me ask her, how do you make this banana pudding, you know, that my husband likes? Because when my mom made the banana pudding, it was in the box. <laughs> So, you know, my, 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 uh, that's what my mom made. So that's what I was used to. But I had to be adaptable, right? Suitable for him, okay? And so I asked my uh, mother-in-law, I said, uh, Miss McKenzie, can you show me how to make this banana pudding? And she said, uh, okay, come in here in the kitchen. So I went in the kitchen with her. She said, you gotta add a, okay, honey, you got to add a little bit of this. And, and honey, you got to add a little bit of that. And I'm trying to write it down. And you don't have time to write, honey. You, you need to look. And I'm like, <laughs> and, and I'm thinking to myself, I, well, how am I going to get this? <laughs> so, you know, every time I'm trying to write anyway, right? And every time she's looking at me, I, I, I stop writing. And I go back to looking at her, and I'm thinking, okay, this, this is gone. This, this, I don't fail this test. <laughs> so I just said to myself, I get it. I am not going to get it. You know, I just have to learn another way. 
But then I started calling my mom. I remember I called my mom so many times. And I said, Mama, how you cook this? Mama, how you cook that? And see, ladies, we can't be afraid to ask. If we don't know, we just don't know. And so we can't be afraid to ask. You know, some men know how to cook. And, and thank God for those men who know how to cook who can burn in the kitchen. But I have to cook. <laughs> That's not saying anything. <laughs> but I remember when I had Ebony, uh, my husband cooked for me, brought breakfast in bed. I don't know if you remember, he brought some eggs and brought some uh, bacon and brought some toast and put some jelly on the toast and brought some orange juice. They were good. <laughs> that was when I had Ebony. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Ebony will be 24. <laughs> Amen. That's right. Amen. <laughs> but, you know, you can't be afraid to ask if you don't know. I called my mom so many times. I remember one day my mom said, I guess she got tired of me calling. And so I called, uh, one day I called and I was talking to her about, you know, how you cook. And she said, girl, if you can read a recipe, you can cook. You know, stop calling me. Read a recipe. So I started reading recipes. And then I had other people that I would call. And I, how do you do this? How do you cook that? Now I think I do all right in the kitchen, right? <laughs> Amen. But I learned because why? I asked questions. And whatever your husband is used to, you adapt yourself to that. I can't say, well, my daddy didn't like that. So what? I didn't marry my daddy. Amen. I married my husband. Amen. So I adapt myself to my husband. Amen. And, you know, they say little girls marry their, their fathers anyway. And I declare there are so many things that my husband does that remind me so much of my father. My husband, my father was a man that believed in taking care of his family. That's my husband. My father was a man of God that was an excellent, he was excellent at money management. That's Dr. McKenzie. He loved to make sure that his family had their needs taken care of first before he had his own needs met. That's my husband. And, I, and these are things, and I thought about it one day. I said, you know what, these are things that I really admired in my father, and I see them in my husband. I never even thought about it like that. You know, it's just a saying, you marry your, your, your father. But I said it, I admired all these things in my husband, in my father, and therefore I see them manifested in my husband. And I was like, Lord, thank you for showing it to me like that. That's awesome. So many things that my husband, I remember before my father passed away. I remember one time we went shopping. We took the girls shopping. We was in St. Pete, and we used to always go there for uh, Thanksgiving. And we would go. We went shopping this one particular time. My father was sick. This was right before, like a month before. Actually, it was a month before he passed away because it was in Christmas. Uh, and uh, it was around Christmas time, and uh, he passed away in, in that January. Um, but we went shopping. And we was in Sears, and he said, um, "Now get the girls some things. Get this. Get that." Because uh, Imani wasn't born. Ecstasy was a baby, and Ebony was uh, small. And so he said, "Get the girls some things." And and so I got the girls some things, and I said, "Oh, that's okay, Daddy." He said, "Why you don't want me to buy that for you? I want to take care of you." I said, "Because my husband's gonna buy." And so when we got home, he said that really blessed him. And he said because he never thought that my husband would be the man of God that would take care of his little girl like he has. And that really ministered to me. That really blessed me. My father always wanted to do. But then when my husband came, then it was my husband's time to take care of daddy's little girl. Amen. And, and I thank God that God showed it to me like that, that there are so many things that I admired in my father that I see them in my husband. And nobody but God could have done that. I didn't go out there and say, okay, now which one of those men going to take care of me like daddy? I didn't go out there looking like that. But God is the one that brought it together. Amen. God is the one that did it. So God knows how to make you suitable, adaptable, and complementary for your husband. I remember one day I asked my husband, I said, how can I take care of you? How can I minister to you? And sometimes, ladies, you may have to ask that. And that doesn't take anything away from you. That only adds to you. Because that shows the man, she cares about me. <laughs> she wants to take care of me. Let me tell her. So this is what you need to do. So he's ready to tell you what you need to do. And so I asked him that one day, and he began to tell me some things that I need to do to help take care of him. And so I said, okay, Lord, help me to renew my mind so I can take care of my husband the way he desires for me to take care of him. What is going to minister to him? Because what ministers to one person may not minister to my man of God. Amen? 
And I can't be thinking about this other person when I need to be trying to take care of my own man of God. Amen? So we need to find out and ask the Holy Spirit to quicken us, to help us to be suitable, adaptable, and complementary to our own husbands. Amen? When God created a woman, she was taken from the rib of man. She was not taken from his foot that she might be crushed underneath his heel in bitterness. Neither was she taken from his head so that she might rule over him. She was not taken from his hand so that she might continually feel the position of waiting upon him. She was taken from the rib of man that she might be by his side continuously. She is to be loved and to, and to respond as a part of his body. Husbands and wives are a part of each other. Amen? Amen. Turn, if you will, to First Timothy 2, verse 14 through 15. The Amplified Version, I'm going to go ahead and read that while you're turning there. 1 Timothy 2, 14 and 15, Amplified Version says, For Adam was first formed, then Eve. And it was not Adam who was deceived, but the woman who was deceived and deluded and fell into transgression. Nevertheless, the sentence put upon women in pain in motherhood does not hinder their soul salvation, and they will be saved eternally if they continue in faith and love and holiness with self-control, saved indeed through the childbearing or by the birth of the divine child. So here the scripture lets us know that Adam was for, first born, that we know that, and then it was Eve, and Eve was the one who was deceived. The Amplified Version says she was deceived and deluded, and that's what she said in the book of uh, Genesis in the third chapter there, that it was the, uh, Satan who deceived me. And ladies, when the enemy deceives us, we need to be aware that we, we point it out the first time. In other words, what, you know, my husband come to me, what happened? Satan, I was tricked by the enemy. I was manipulated by the enemy. And that's exactly what Eve said in Genesis, the third chapter. So we need to be able to point it out the first time and call Satan by his name. Satan did it. It wasn't me. Satan did it. He manipulated me. He tricked me. He deceived me. He deluded me. And therefore, I did such and such. A kingdom woman has priorities, and she lived by her priorities. Turn, if you will, to Ruth, the third chapter. A kingdom woman has priorities, and she lives by her priorities. Amen? And how many know wives, mothers, we need priorities. We need to learn how to prioritize by the Spirit of God. How many know we wear so many hats? There are so many things that we have to do in the course of a day. And so we need by the Spirit of God, and this is going back to your relationship with God. Because if you fail in your relationship with God, you're going to fail in everything else. If you fail to plan, then that means that you plan to fail. Amen? So we need our relationship with God. So it says, a kingdom woman has priorities, and she lives by her priorities. Ruth, the third chapter, and verse 10 and 11, it says, Then he said, now this is Boaz speaking to Ruth. It says, Then he said, Blessed are you of the Lord, my daughter, for you have shown more kindness at the end than at the beginning, in that you did not go after young men, whether poor or rich. And now, my daughter, do not fear. I will do for you all that you request, for all the people of my town know that you are a virtuous woman. Now, I'm going to read that in the Amplified Version. It says, And he said, Blessed be you of the Lord, my daughter, for you have made this last loving kindness greater than the formal. For you have not gone out the young men, whether poor or rich. And now, my daughter, fear not. I will do for you all you require. For all my people in the city know that you are a woman of strength, who are a woman of bravery, worth, and capability. Now, this is a powerful scripture here. Because if you think about it, Boaz said to her, I'm going to do everything that you ask of me. Because everybody in town knows you're a virtuous woman. I mean, yes. And that's exactly, Ruth had a reputation. And her reputation was what? She was virtuous. She wasn't a lady of the street. She wasn't a woman who was loose. She wasn't a woman of the night. But her reputation was that she was virtuous. A woman of strength. A woman of uh, bravery. A woman of capability. She was a virtuous woman. And so this made Boaz says, of course, I'm going to give you everything that you ask of me. And, he, she, and, and not only that, but he said in verse 10 that everybody knows you're not even running after the young men in town. That means like everybody else is. 
you got a reputation for being virtuous. So you, that, you're not running after everybody. Or you're not running after the young men. And if you think about it, look at Ruth's status. She was a widow. She was married. And, and the Holy Spirit, you know, when I was studying, going back, I was, oh, that's right. She was married, but now she wasn't. Let me just tell her on last Sunday. Was married, now she wasn't. But now she submitted herself unto her mother-in-law, who was mentoring or discipling her, into her destiny. She chose to submit herself. She chose to be in relationship with another woman of God that can help her. Now, single ladies, who have you submitted yourself to? Who, are, who is helping you to reach your destiny? Who's helping you to get to that next place in God, in your relationship with God? Who's helping you to reach your destiny, your purpose in God? Naomi didn't go to Ruth. Ruth went to Naomi. She pursued Naomi. She told Naomi. Now, remember, it was two ladies. That was Orpah and then, or some people may say Oprah, uh, and then there was Ru- uh, Naomi, I mean Ruth. So these two. And, and, and when you do a study, it says that Ruth had to leave Moab among the Moabites. And then it says in the book of Psalms how Moabites, Jesus called, the Lord said, the Moabites is my wash basin. In other words, that's the place where you, you know, take all the dirt off of you. So in other words, God was bringing her from a a dirty place to a, a brand new place that she didn't even know about. God had a new purpose for her, a new plan for her, because she pursued this woman of God. She entered her relationship with this woman of God, and she did everything that this woman of God told her to do. And she told her, all that you said to me, I will do. And she went down and did everything that the woman of God told her to do, and she was able to become uh, Mrs. Boaz later on. So singles, who are you submitting yourself to? Is there anybody in your life that can help you with your destiny to become the woman of God that God has called you to be? Do you have a reputation, uh, singles, for being virtuous? Do you have a reputation? I pray that my, my daughters have this reputation for being virtuous women of God, that when they get married to their Boaz one day, and we're praying for their future Boaz now, that when they get married to their Boaz, their Boaz will say, you know what? I got a pure vessel from the Lord Jesus Christ, and I thank God for it. Hallelujah. They're virtuous women of God. Yes, they have a reputation, but it's a good reputation. It's not one that you think. It's a reputation for loving God. It's a reputation for being holy. It's a reputation for being righteous. It's a reputation for loving God. That's the kind of reputation they have. And my daughter shared something with me. Anybody ever heard of Lolo Jones in the Olympians? She said, now this this is her picture. You probably can't see it. But she said, uh, the 29-year-old Olympian track and field star, revealed on Twitter, she's a virgin, 29 years old. Now, that's rare these days, right? And you remember uh, Pastor Nikki from St. Pete? She's uh, 30. I think she said she's 30, 31. I think she's 30. She told my niece, my sister's daughter, she's a virgin, and she's encouraging her. You stay like that, sweetie, until God bring your Boaz. I said, thank you for telling my niece that. Encourage her to be a woman of God, a young lady that has a reputation for God. But this is what she said. And she said, it's just something, a gift that I want to give to my husband, her being a virgin. And she said, but please don't understand, uh, please understand this journey has, has been hard. If there's virgins out there, I just want you to know. It's the hardest thing I've ever done in my life, harder than training for the Olympics, harder than graduating from college has been to stay a virgin before marriage. And there's been plenty of offers, but it's a decision that I made. And she made this decision when she was, I think it says here, when she was 12 years old. She already knew, I'm keeping myself for my husband. Isn't that awesome? And then here's another one. My daughter was reading. She said, Mommy, did you know? I said, oh, print those out. I want to use those tomorrow. Perfect. Here's another one. This one's name is Jennifer Nichols. I don't know if you, uh, you can see her picture. Um, she does, let me see what it is she does, but she's an archer. You know, she does the archery. Um, and she said, I saved my first kiss for the man I knew I was going to marry. Isn't that awesome? My, and she's 27. She says, my fiancé, the 28-year-old devout Christian, um, tells us, 
um, that her husband is Chris Hardy. He's 25. She said, I made this commitment when I was 13 years old. She said, I knew that I wanted to save my kids on top of purity. She wanted to save her kids on top of purity for her man of God. And after the Olympics, you know what her husband, what her fiance is busy doing right now? Planning their wedding. That when the Olympics is over, they're getting ready to get married. Isn't that awesome? And this one is a Christian. She's a Christian. And we need more Christian women like that. Standing up for God. Amen. And saying that I say my first kiss for my fiancé, for my husband, my wedding night. Why? Because I was discipled by a mother. I was discipled by a woman of God that helped me to understand that it's better to save myself for my husband than give myself to anybody else. And we, as leaders, as parents, have an awesome responsibility to help our daughters and our sons to understand this. We need to help the men to understand. Kingdom men, you are a kingdom man of God. And a kingdom man of God protects a woman of God. Amen? He doesn't take advantage of her. He protects the woman of God. Because she's a kingdom woman of God just like you're a kingdom man of God. Amen? And you need to protect her. You need to help her. So Ruth had a reputation. Amen. We're getting ready to close. Ruth had a reputation. And her reputation was that she was a virtuous woman of God. Turn, if you will, to Proverbs 31 and 25. You know who else was a virtuous woman of God? And guess what? Ruth is the only one by name that is called a virtuous woman of God in the Bible. The only woman by name in the Bible. And here's the other one, which is in Proverbs 31. But Proverbs 31, uh, verse 25. Now, remember that we said that the Amplified said that Ruth was a woman of, a virtuous woman, which is a woman of strength, a woman of worth, bravery, and capability. And so in Proverbs 31, 25, Amplified version, it says, strength and dignity are her clothing, and her position is strong and secure. She rejoices over the future, the latter day to come, knowing that she and her family are in readiness for it. The word virtuous means conformity of one's life and conduct to moral and ethical principles. That means that Ruth has some principles. She has some standards that she lived by. In other words, she said, just like these two ladies that we just read about, they had some standards. So ladies, mothers, wives, fathers, we have to help our children understand. You need some standards, amen? And you can do not, you don't have to compromise your standards for God, amen? God knows how to bring your Boaz. God knows when you're ready. God is preparing you. God is training you. And God wants you to love him more. And when God sees that you love him more and you're willing not to compromise your standards, then God knows that you'll be ready. So Ruth has some standards. So you need to have some standards, amen? And that's why Boaz said that everybody know you're virtuous. You didn't run after the other young men. Whether they was rich, they had money, or whether they was poor, you didn't run after them. That didn't move you. So sometimes we let things and stuff move us, and it causes us to compromise our standards. And then we go after the stuff, not realizing that stuff will soon fade away, amen? Just like the beauty of a virtuous woman will soon fade away. But it's a hidden man of the heart that God is looking at and that God desires to see, amen? So we need men and women of God that will have some standards, amen, that will not just run after anything, but they will have some standards, and they know how to stand up and say, uh-huh, this is the one that I'm looking for. No, you're not the one, amen. You need to go, amen. You are not the one, amen. I heard Sister um, Taylor saying, I guess I still got it on last week. I know sometimes uh, when I'm driving in the car, one day I was driving in the car, with my girls, and this uh, man was just looking at us. And one of my daughters said, Mommy, look at that man just looking at you. And so uh, I said, Oh, my goodness. So I just kept looking straight. And so uh, one of my, the other daughters said, Show him your ring, Mommy. Show him your ring. <laughs> I said, I did like this. <laughs> you know, I just say, Put a ring on it. Ring is already on it, okay? <laughs> As a matter of fact, it's three. <laughs> already on it, amen? And so, you know, you have to make sure that you're living the life and, and living the standard of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. 
their priorities are in divine order. Amen. And when everything is in divine order, God knows how to bring them. Amen. And, you know, and we're encouraging our daughters. We're praying for their future spouse. So, so parents, that's another thing. We're praying for our future, for our future son-in-laws. Amen. Whoever they may be. We can't say uh, daughter-in-law because we don't have a son at this time. But we say our, our son-in-laws. Amen. We're praying for them. And so that's another responsibility that we have to pray for them. That God would bring the right one into their life. Amen. And would help them to know to and fulfill the purpose of God that God has for them. Amen. Did you receive in something from the word of God today? Amen.